Give me the juice. Give me the rice. Give me the jam. Give me the juice. Give me the rice. Give me the jam. 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 What's this up? is Harris, Matt, and I am Nathan, and um, Gordo. Gordo usually just drops in as a fun surprise, but uh, and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he'll if he drops a few times during the call. That's just how we do it. That's showbiz, baby. But where are you coming to us from? So I live like right outside of Boston. Um, in a small suburb called Belmont, Massachusetts, which is like the town of homes. So it's like always been a suburb. It's part of the history. So yeah, it's nice. I like it a lot. We have like a nice apartment. I have a good job, but that's like, yeah, I'm not from here. So I don't love Boston a lot, but I like Belmont a lot. So. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, you're coming in. Are you doing um, a mic or are you doing laptop? Yeah, I have like an ancient blue snowball. Can you hear me better now? Um, I'm not. Oh, I'm not worried either way. I'm coming in super hot, but I always take the files uh, and equalize. I'm sure it'll sound fine. It'll sound good. You're okay. not echoing, right, and cool. that's 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 all I asked for. So yeah, not okay. to you could you can go back as you were. If I can hear you through okay. here, it, it should be fine. I'm not worried. Okay. But yeah, sorry. Let's do that again, just because I was distracted by the audio there. No sweat. So you're. I'm from. I'm from. Bo- I. I'm not from Boston, but I live in Boston. Yeah, around Boston. Right. Yeah, yeah. In uh, the Belmont suburb area. Yeah, Grand suburb. And that's near a certain prestigious university. Is that correct? Yeah, it's near a lot. Yeah, it's right outside of Cambridge. So we've got MIT, we've got uh, Harvard, all of like the bug farming like CIA, um, like PSYOP institutions are like really close by, which is great. Bug farming. Yeah. I haven't, I am, I haven't heard that term. Yeah. It's like is li- that... live in the pod, eat the bugs. Like these are the people oh, who are right, figuring right. out the design solutions that like make that a pleasant experience. Right. Yeah. Mr. Schwab. Yeah. Is that Schwab or is that, uh, I think, yeah, the, the, uh, the world international forum or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, where are you from originally? Um, I grew up in Colorado, um, like right outside of Denver and Aurora. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I oh, wish wow. I could still live in Colorado, <laughs> but yeah. Hell yeah. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I knew that you were in the, the Massachusetts area, because of, uh, well, I went to your first, or not your first art show, but my first Harris art show, um, where you did, maybe we'll talk a bit about that yeah. at Blade Study, which was very cool. Um, because what I heard was uh, that you were 
working at Harvard as a technician of sorts. Is that something we can get into or do you prefer yeah. to? Uh... Yeah, we can talk about it. Um, so right now I work for the Graduate School of Design, which is like the architecture school that's associated with Harvard. And mostly my job is just like helping students use machines that are like more complicated than what they're used to. So like mostly it's just like 3D printing and laser cutters is like what I'm responsible for. But a lot of it's just like doing uh, like education about the things that are like not the theory or whatever that they're learning in class. It's just like how to make things that they want to make that make their ideas like work uh, when they're presenting it in class. Yeah. Hell yeah. Realizing the vision. So are those, are they like industrial designers or are they engineers? They're not engineers. They're um, <laughs> so like, it's funny. So like there's a few different programs. One of them, I mean, like the main one is architecture and then the second most popular is landscape architecture. So it's like, how do you reform oh, environments nice. to like make sense for, I don't know, the people that want to live in them. Um, and then the other thing that people do is like masters of design, which means like, I have to be totally honest. I don't fully understand what a lot of it means. <laughs> um, it's just really open. So people, some people come into it and do like essentially just art. Um, and then some people do it and do like, how do we make like better lenses for VR or something like that? Um, so yeah, it's like a very wide range of what that can mean. But yeah. Yeah. We, we don't care what it means. It just sounds nice when you say I'm a master of design. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Getting a PhD of design, a DDES. Oh, amazing. A doctor of design. Oh. Put that on your credit card right yeah, there. It exactly. feels good. Yeah. Now, did you come from that? Did you come from the <laughs> Matt's showing us a cow with the uh, Oculus yeah, with Rift the on his head? Or this is her great. Head, pardon me, Matt. Are you normally like the VJ of the pod? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's that's only that's been relatively recent. I think I've been getting yeah. into the uh, yeah, getting into the visual entertainment. Yeah, it's great. Uh, he loves it. It just <laughs> it's really lights suited. it up on it. It's perfectly suited for an audio-based format. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Kids at home, um, <laughs> Google that picture of a Google Cow VR. Yeah, you can watch along with us. Yeah. And if you tell him to stop, oh boy, he gets he gets real <laughs> mad. The furniture starts flying. But did you um did you come from an arts background or did you come from a engineering background too? Or a STEM as the kids call it now? Yeah, honestly, the ne kids at the neither. I mean, oh, I, in college I did like philosophy, um, mostly like philosophy of mind and some like meta ethics stuff. Um, and I always made music. Um, and then I think in college there was some like, uh, like pretentious, I, I, I don't know. I, I used to book, um, the shows at this venue that we had on campus and nobody ever wanted to open because people were just like in their dorm rooms getting drunk, like during the first part. So I would just open for every show and just like, uh, challenge myself to make like two, every two weeks, make like 30 minutes of new material. And eventually just started doing like more like weirder spoken work, like performance art style stuff that was more like funny than it was serious. And some pretentious oh, yeah. like sculpture student, said like you should really know what you're doing if you're doing <laughs> what yeah so i took a sculpture can class you... and i loved it i mean but it's i guess yeah. i have a lot can you walk us through can you walk us through that night and how it, yeah. how it came to that i did it was like i think i performed under the name like 
sexed apes. It was like, yeah, sexed and apes. Um, and then I think it was like a couple songs that were sprinkled in with like, um, like people yelling like every diss from a Rick Ross song. I like wrote them, I like compiled them all into like all of like the, the slights that Rick Ross had like given out oh, hell yeah. and all of like one album. Um, I don't remember which one. Um, I and I had people, the audience volunteers yell it at me and then cover me in newspaper. And I had my mom call me on speakerphone to like the venue and say like, it's okay, baby. And then I think that was, that was like the thing that really triggered them to like say, I should know what I was doing. Uh, Finger in the chest. Like, yeah. What do you think you're doing? It's not okay, baby. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Rick Ross really, um, my friend and I, we heard him say this line that we thought was so sick. Uh, he just yelled like, got a shoe box. Yeah. No shoes in it. And <laughs> he's, amazing. he's implying he's implying that there's money in the shoe box or drugs, one of those. But I, I just liked imagining that he ordered these uh, shoes he wanted and the box was empty, you know. Yeah, he only he only raps about cocaine. The best ones were when he had his bank account balance as a beat tag. Do you guys remember that? It was like it was like you was have that. like 3 hundred billion dollars it was something that was like totally unimaginable <laughs> but it was yeah what were uh do you remember any of the slights that you put in were any like uh podcast safe no i don't remember don't any of, i didn't make volunteers say yeah, the one word or anything I, that's I was, good that's good. yeah that was i went to a liberal arts college there was like not really anybody who kind of gotten away with that um but no i don't remember any of the slights I did another mm. piece in college that was really good. That was like, um, it was like me and a friend made like this uh, fake stomach for our other friend and did like a live C-section. Um, oh, while wow. All of the revolution scenes from a bug, a bug's life like played <laughs> in the background. And then slowly, like the belly is made out of gelatin. Um, so we slowly like started eating the gelatin, like as we were doing it and then invited people up to do it. And unbeknownst to us, we spread hand, foot and mouth disease. We were like the like, oh my center <laughs> for this epidemic at our college through this like really bizarre you, performance. Art you're piece. kidding. You're, you're pulling my leg. No, back. no, it's totally true. Yeah. My good friend, Joe and I, I think it changed Did a lot any... of people's lives, like for the worse, but hopefully, yeah. Well, I'm from Alberta, Canada, originally, and we uh, we sell cow beef there. That's one of our hobbies besides oil. And um, hoof and mouth disease was something I always heard about growing up because there was a big outbreak. And then the United States uh, walled off their acceptance of Alberta beef. And our we, uh, we're quaint up here. We got prime min- premiers. We got premiers and prime ministers. And uh, Alberta's premier for like 20 years was this old drunk bastard named Ralph Klein. And he was interviewed and they were like, what do you think about the mad or mad cow and hoof and mouth? And his answer was, he sh- the, what do you think the farmer should have done? 
uh, when he reported this that let let this get out and ralph said he should have shot shoveled and shut up and then it started a uh, an uproar he was kind of like a proto donald trump that's amazing um donald trump in cowboy boots but hoof and mouth which i would he, love to see yeah <laughs> when kids at home google ralph klein you'll see a hideous red-faced albertan which uh i'm well on my way to becoming yeah max can so you bring a can you bring a picture oh of absolutely mm-hmm. way ahead of you. <laughs> ralph klein oh <laughs> this is a critical holy shit there's a lot of really good pictures actually yeah yeah uh this one's pretty good <laughs> oh wow yeah he's like rob for oh he's got the tuxedo shirt and everything and he's wasted he's got that sort of like latent... oh good lord <laughs> no <laughs> ralph no only justin trudeau can do that is it like a latent but... frenchness in his face there's like a kind of like oh let's not yeah i see putin in that one i see a more yeah. poutine i think uh i don't know well, they're all actors and skin doubles anyways, you know? It's just one actor playing fucking 50 different guys with prosthetics. So what you're saying, Harris, is you were just a fellow with a bunch of big ideas exactly. and philosophy of mind. Who did you like in philosophy of mind, by the way, if I may ask? Well, so, I mean, I liked, I mean, it's more theories than people, like contemporary philosophy of mind stuff. But in terms of like historical philosophers that I was really into... Leibniz was like absolutely loved still absolutely love Leibniz. I've been like reading some Hegel recently. Um, I really like Hegel. Um, uh, Spinoza, absolute goat, uh, Barclay, really sick. Thomas Reed, fucking sick. Um, yeah. A lot of the like, hell yeah. Like mid modern philosophy guys who were like more panpsychist rather than the sort of like, I don't know, dualist or like physicalist perspectives. perspectives. Yeah, I hate the dualist. I I got, like I ha- have a book, Cunt in the Mind, that I haven't read, but I really got into philosophy of mind via uh, Richard Dreyfus or Hubert Dreyfus, pardon me, reading his reading of Heidegger to fight artificial intelligence, explaining why it would never work. Wow. But it also wandered off into fighting the analytics about uh, Cartesian perspective of the world and like mind map theory and stuff. Huh. And he was very, very opposed to that. Um, but that was, yeah, I, I can't remember enough to like do any cool kick flips on what I know about it, but I yeah. like thinking about how, how the mind works and the neuroscientists I have. Yeah. I have friends who are neuroscientists, uh, was, had a roommate with, who was a neuroscientist who, um, watch that guy do a lot of MDMA and get really, really drunk. And he knew exactly what was happening up there. Yeah. <laughs> so I always respected that, but to like willingly take the, take the L for your mind. Well, I mean, it's all in, I like the neuroscientists that are rational in the sense that we have no concept of what's actually happening up there. And it's too complex, even yeah. with all these, chat gpts and all this wacky stuff i'm still very much an ai skeptic when it comes down to like that it can ever emulate the uniqueness that makes us human because like the hardest thing to act is when you act like a four-year-old or a yeah. <laughs> mentally challenged uh man like myself um that's those little special 
those special touches that I mean, maybe ChatGPT will do it, but I guess I don't think it's coming. I mean, I guess the big the big thing that everybody always presses is like it's whatever, but we don't know that it's conscious or whatever. And I guess mm-hmm. yeah, the stuff I was more into was like more the like what is mind as a as a thing in the world, mm-hmm. and the stuff I was always attracted to, like the Leibniz stuff, is always it's consciousness all the way down. So like everything essentially mental events or mental phenomena not i'm being imprecise but like that's the stuff that like makes up what it's what informs reality and like leibniz's view or whatever like spinoza it's like physical and mental are just two sides of the same coin kind of but like more i don't know it's probably like ai is probably consciousness just like way different than what we imagine our consciousness to be like like it's closer to that of like a rock than it is to like us but it doesn't mean it's like less complex or anything yeah yeah the fellows i liked would always say that you can't you can never separate the mind from the world because it's never been there's no such thing as the mind removed from the world because you're like pop i didn't do a good pop i'll add it in post-production but there we go thank you and uh (laughs) i was gonna go for a but uh, that's pretty good yeah i just didn't time it but um just the fact that like you can never just be thinking like even if you're growing a test tube or whatnot you come out and you have like four years before you know what you are so you're already thrown into this thing and then so it's like that disconnect I haven't thought about it enough to shit, but fortunately we'll, we'll stumble through. Um, but yeah, so you started asking the big questions. How does that turn into knowing how all the machines work that these poindexters uh, want to, you know, wanna pump out make... their Yu-Gi-Oh cards or whatever they're trying yeah, to make? Exactly. I don't know what Harvard does these days. That's actually a big topic is figuring out what's the next Yu-Gi-Oh card. That's one of the routes <laughs> in Master of Design is you can figure out what's the next Yu-Gi-Oh but yeah, I don't know, man. The I podcast, mean, it's not going to end until we figure it out. Yeah. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, uh, I, so I like, I started, I mean, I guess my senior year of college, I took a sculpture class. And after I graduated, I like kept making music for like a little while. Um, and then I like was still, I was trying to make physical art still. And it's like some of it was working, but none of it was like very good. Um, Oh, hey, sorry, Gordo, welcome. Without an alarm. Um, but hi, everybody. That's okay. Hi, Harris. Hey, it's Mr. Harris. Harris. Gordo. Gordo Harris. Yeah. So you, yeah, as you were saying, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, I, um, so I tried to make like physical art for a while and just like it didn't stick. And then eventually after some time it just like wound up sticking i like honestly i got a free ceramics class um when i after i'd moved to boston and just like started making stuff out of ceramics and then the pandemic happened and i'd like been wanting to make uh there's like a process in ceramic called slip casting where you like it's how like most like commercial things that are like not bowls or plates are made is like pour in like liquid clay into a plaster mold and then you can like pull out the cast of it after the fact and so i wanted to make these like 3d printed molds for it because i was like oh this is a great application for it but i had like no idea how to do any 3d modeling or 3d printing or anything and then when the pandemic happened i just like 
suddenly was making more money than I had like ever made in my entire life off of unemployment. Um, and just like bought two like slightly different types of 3d printers and like taught myself how to like use blender. Cause I like, didn't have a job for a few months. So I just like spent every day just like doing shit that I wanted to do. And then I went to grad school for art. I like, the pandemic happened and I had already applied to graduate school with like a ceramics portfolio um, and then got in and just suddenly started making like goblins and shit. And it was like extremely different from like the abstract ceramics that I was like making and that got me in. So I just like leaned into it and just like kept making goblins and kept like learning how to use weird machines to make what I wanted to do. Hell yeah. That's amazing because uh, fortuitously, uh, you've touched on two subjects that we have knowledge of. Montreal is a hub of goopy ceramics and hand style. Concordia University, very good program. Uh, we can delve into that a little bit. But then, uh, Gordo, like yourself, uh, Americans stumbled into untold riches. You guys experienced the socialist gravy train that we in Canada know and love. And Gordon, Gordon yeah, I made, his I own made approach off of that employment as but well, be, like uh, really big, um, which is a really nice time of my what life. What did you do? What did I do? Did you... Well, it was such an extreme yeah. amount of money. I didn't know what to do. So I did nothing for a bit until I had like almost $30,000. And then I just blew it all and lived in Europe for a while. And should have been a little smarter with it to like help me transition into grad school because now i'm working uh back in service industry trying to save money to move for grad school but yeah i was just i just traveled for essentially a whole year um which i would have never been able to do had it not been for COVID unemployment what's damn what's the name of that crazy city you saw Kind of remind me of a Harris sculpture. Oh, I the went, one carved I went out of sand. Way, you lost yeah, your that was phone the there. furthest I went was um, Jordan in Petra. Uh, Petra in Jordan. So, yeah, I hit yeah. all of Europe. I hit the city Turkey. of Petra. Yeah, I hit Jordan. I spent time in Mexico City like twice, um, and then I ran out of money. But <laughs> it was really nice. That's sick, man. <laughs> That's amazing. What's, what's it? Yeah, what's Aesop's fable? There's the grasshopper and the ant or something, or the grasshopper and the bee. And there's the two approaches. But so, Harris, you uh, you geeked out and did the um, – you taught yourself 3D printing. Yeah, I mean, I did not get $30,000. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. I Well, I guess if I had done it for like – if I had just like waited it out, that might have sent you <laughs> to Jordan too. Yeah, that might have sent me to Europe also. But I think, yeah, I mean, we, I just got like the Trump bucks and then the like six hundred extra bucks a week, essentially in pay. I mean, before I was working like, I mean, I was cobbling. To, this is the the bad part. Is like in America, everybody's just an independent contractor for different shit. So essentially, I was working like three different part-time jobs that like added up to like 30 hours a week um like in different like studios and like teaching classes and stuff like that um 
And so like the money was just like not very good for like the amount of time that I was additionally spending commuting. Yes, big money bags. This is a great graphic. Um, um, we'll put this one on YouTube. Yeah, please put this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, and then when I went to grad school, I got, I got paid to go to grad school. So I just like, but it was not anywhere close to $30,000. That would have been sick. It might have been better. Than I was, going to grad I was surprised that I got it. Might because be. I figured I was going to get nothing because I was barbacking and bartending and I didn't claim my tips at all. So I figured my unemployment was going to be like pennies because um, it looked like on paper that I made like absolutely. I claimed I made like zero dollars every day, just like my three dollars an hour. Um, but I think my yeah. management, it turned out, was claiming our tips without us knowing to get them out of trouble. So I was at, so yeah. on paper, I was actually making a solid amount of money anyways. So my unemployment, I think without the 600 was still like 700 a week plus 600. And that lasted for like about a year. And then regular unemployment lasted for another like year and a half. Something like that. That's amazing. Shit. You said so you're trying next, to go to uh, grad school I'm, now? Yeah. Sorry. I plan Where are you on trying to go to this fall. My application goes in next week. It would be this week, but um, spring break is happening right now. So I'm waiting on my professor to uh, write me a letter of break. What are you trying uh, to go for? I was going to go for like general public policy, but I think public policy is kind of lame the more I look at it. I did my undergrad in human rights policy, so I'm still going to apply to their public policy school, but I'll be in the um, international public service, which is kind of the same, but it's more like NGO, um, nonprofit work based that's not like the management section because i also don't want to take they have like nonprofit management but that's essentially just management classes for the nonprofit sector which i don't want to do either um ultimately i just want to stay in school probably forever so i'll finish my master's and then unless life doesn't allow it go straight into a doctoral program yeah <laughs> the ivory tower isn't that bad yeah, it's not. What, what did you take? Uh, what was your master's, Harris? So I have an MFA in fine arts, and it's technically oh, yeah. like concentrated in ceramics. But I, I pretty much like made nothing out of clay after like the first like six months. Um, or some of the stuff was made out of clay, but it wasn't like fired clay. It was like I was like digging clay from like the Wendy's parking lot like across the street <laughs> while it was like under construction and like making Hitsune yeah. Miku figures out of it or something. So it wasn't Was like, that was that part of your process as you would like document that this is a you know found materials kind of thing? I wouldn't ever document it. I would just say it on the materials <laughs> list. And it got me in a little bit out of Wendy's. Yeah, I would just say like I essentially like at a certain point I just really liked like just being able to have like not a poetic materials list, but like a materials list that like kind of held all the signifiers of whatever was in the object. Um, and not like, obviously there's like an additive process, hopefully by like the actual aesthetics and aura of the object that's made. But mm -hmm. like, it was really like I was doing insane shit to get like 
everything compiled. Oh, like yeah. learning how to make like tempera paint or like egg glare or whatever to make a piece about like raw egg nationalism or something. Uh, wow. Yeah. And did uh, did the Wendy's staff intervene at all? Like, was there a subterfuge element? No, man. This was Cant, Ohio. <laughs> it was like, I mean, it's like, I don't know if you guys know anything about it. I guess Ohio's. In we a lot of we had an Ohio guest on. Yeah. Really? Uh, can, can yeah? Supreme Jesus was Supreme Jesus lover. Talked to us. Oh, okay. About growing up in Cleveland, but your Kent, Ohio, is like a different. It's really close to Cleveland, but I I don't drive. So it was just like when I was there, I went to Cleveland like three times just like with friends who were going. But like I pretty much stayed in this really small town and it's like everything surrounding it is just like industrially ravaged. Like I remember having one of the most like surreal experiences like we taught for our stipend in grad school. And I had a student who was like not doing very well and was like not like very um just i don't know there's just something kind of weird about her and she like was like i was like hey like where's your like thing like it's due today like it takes like a while to make the ceramic thing she was like yeah like pa is sick pa lost his job at the mill and he's not doing well he's sick again and she showed me her phone that was like her mom, it was like mom, and it was like Papa's not doing well, and then like a cat emoji <laughs> being like, mm, 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 no, very bad. Oh, no. It was just like it was so <laughs> surreal and weird. This like collapse of like post-industrial American like oh, landscape goodness. death and like societal death in these like small areas condensed into an emoji. Um, so the Wendy's workers did not give a shit. Um, right, so, yeah. they, had the, they had bigger fish to fry. They had much bigger fish or, to fry. Chili to make. I heard the Wendy's chili is actually the hamburgers from the day I before, actually know which Wendy's I'm all right with. You got to age that. This is news to me. Yeah, is <laughs> maybe it's only Canada. No, kids, was, kids at home try the Wendy's chili. It's good. This Get the a, hot sauce. This was it's a huge clear. scandal. Do you guys remember the person, the woman who found <laughs> the finger in her chili? At Wendy's, right, right. And she was lying. Wasn't she a scammer? Yeah, she's a I big scammer. She faked it. She yeah, cut she off someone's finger. Which is so insane. She That's cut so off like a person's finger. It was yeah, like a yeah, dead yeah. person. She like got not like a person that was living. Oh, I thought like, it was her friend and was like, "Yo, don't worry, I'm gonna get some money." It was a dead guy. I could be wrong, but I think it That's was a dead better. guy. Which is even which is. We should hope so. I think yeah, honestly, there's still really both deranged <laughs> options. Dead guy, dead guy doesn't need. He's dead guy doesn't need it. Yeah, yeah. yeah dead guy. And I you can prefer... get a big settlement out of it. No you one know? ate it. Where like you, it's where, all fair. Where do you get a finger from? Thing. No matter what the answer, it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we already have like five good names for the episode, but <laughs> that's amazing. So. Kent, Ohio. So your grad school was where? Kent State. You were oh hell yeah! Yeah. Did you go to the big football games? Were they good at the football? Um, I never went to a football game. I um, mm. I would I most of the time I was like in my studio or I would just walk around singing that Neil Young song. 
like four dead in Ohio. The one about right. the Kent State massacre, and so it was. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. We get in trouble on this podcast for giggling at stuff. Twitter always clowns us, but really, sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, "These guys are giggling at all this dark stuff." But They're anti-giggling. I don't that's know. Twitter's whole just world. miserable over there, but that's a yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's beautifully tragic. It's like a Harmony Korine movie. What you're describing here, yeah. And uh, thank you. But that's it's it's amazing because it's uh, you know I think a lot of the a lot of the kids at home are trying to be artists or are artists or want to be artists, and then it's like it is true. Like if you order some weird gizmo and get good at it, uh, you can have some happy endings. Yeah, then, well, not that it's an ending. I but. think I think there's a few factors that went into it. One, yes, if you can condition yourself into being like a steam person, that's like obviously a good thing to do, and you just pill people on like the art part of steam. Um, you pronounce it steam. So it's it's STEM plus A for art. Oh, for art. Yeah. Oh, I know. It See, used that to makes be STEM. me think of uh, you know, that fat guy who made Half Life. Like he has Steam. What? It's <laughs> a gamer shit. Game you know, Newell. Gavin. Gavin, what's his name? I never. I'm not a gamer. gamer. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why we keep Gordo around. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big Steam head. So there's maybe we can make it something else like. Steckum, like STEM creative M, you know? Yeah, STEM creative machining. <laughs> yeah, STEM creative, yeah. Creative masterpiece. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it is because, like, so many artists are just like, no, I, I follow the idea. I don't even know how it works. And then, but I do know artists that go and, like, learn these industrial machines. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, you're going you're gonna to get somewhere with that. And then with ceramics in Montreal, I have this, like, they've always had hand-fired ceramics. So I like that, too, that you were, like, kind of, so you wouldn't use the kiln or you would still use the kiln or it was already kind of you were doing, like, a space age approach to ceramics. Well, so, I mean, when I got into doing stuff in clay, like, I mean, I knew how to, like, throw and hand build and stuff, but... um, I was like really interested in like material processes. Like, so I got essentially a free class at a college. I used to work at like a nonprofit, like art center for kids. And we would take interns from this like art therapy program that was like, I shall not name. It was like a really not, it was a very exploitative program. And so they would essentially take the, the college would take money from students for a class and then would say, okay, you have to go find an internship. And we would take those interns and they would give us like half the money that the students had paid for the class so that we could as so like a voucher up. for a class. So we just had like two interns. So like a, it's extreme. It's like it's extremely fucked up. Um, so I got a free class and I, I was like making some like electron like synthesizers and stuff at the time. And I wanted to make like a ceramic synthesizer. So that's why I took the ceramics class. So like initially when I was doing it, I was like, okay, I can't just make this by like hand building it. Cause it's just going to sound like shit. I have to like do something weird and like industrial with the process or something. It just like treats the material a little bit differently. And then I just like got really into like 
ceramic chemistry and like experimental processes with it. So like we used to make a bunch of like glazes that like puffed up in the kiln. Um, oh wow! Or like and also like had a regrettable <laughs> ceramics phase. Um, it's like, we all need to make goopies, you know. To get yeah, somewhere. I mean, it was before I like found Brad Trammell or whatever, um, and then like quickly like, <laughs> left that. But um, is that why that he he drove you away from goopies? Yeah, I think like, Brad Trammell was just his rage. No, it was just his white rage. Yeah, I think he. I have a, I have a, yeah, I have a goopy tail. We'll tell after, but keep going. I'm yeah, sorry. no. So I, I was just into the material science stuff, and so I guess that's kind of how I started making different stuff with clay. And then when I started making stuff not with clay anymore, once I had like access to all these different facilities, I just still wanted to do the like sort of alchemy shit that you have to do with ceramic, but I wanted to do it with like other materials. So like, that was how I got into like. It was, it was really like the material itself is the thing that I wanted to work with. And then I would just figure out kind of like how to make it work with a piece. Yeah, this is a, mm-hmm. uh, who is this? Ken We're Price? We're seeing a goopy. Yeah. This is yeah. Ken Price. Yeah. I Get, just hit me with a few more. Ceramics. Hit me with a few more. I want to see if I can guess them. <laughs> oh, shit. You can absolutely. do it. You can like so take some time. Over, I took to two ceramics classes and I was incredibly overwhelmed by all the different processes and the work that goes into it. I was like, fuck, dude, it's taken me like a whole semester to learn how to properly throw a bowl. Um, <laughs> throw them bowls. I yeah. think it takes, honestly, like three to five years to learn how to throw Yeah, that's what that's kind of. Well. I, I went into like, it was thinking hard, yeah. it was going to be like a really nice, relaxing class I could take um, while doing all my more intense classes. And I was so wrong. I was like, oh, fuck, this is. I would be at the studio at like 1am and I would just be like chunking clay at the ground like fucking piss that I just destroyed this bowl I've been throwing for like the last two hours Um, it was one of the most stressful like (laughs) arts or classes I've ever taken in my life yeah totally I had a lot of students who like did not do well with it sorry really quick is this Haas Brothers or Toshiko Takezu this is yeah. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. That was the other oh. one I was going to say. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah. I, oh, wait. yeah I cool. saw Matt, Matt grinning like it was Christmas Day. <laughs> don't, so I don't, don't let Seth Rogen. What were you going to say, Gordon? All right, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Seth Rogen. <laughs> Man, first time I went viral, I, I did a meme that said boycott. I will not listen to Seth Rogen's podcast when everyone was mad at Joe Rogan. And I spelled it like Rogan, like Joe Rogan. And it got like 500 likes. And I was like, oh, this is huge. I like Seth Rogen, though. He's a, he's a good man. But um, on the, the goopy tales and ceramics tales, like Montreal has had this long. Um, we'll shout out Concordia University because I think it is kids at home that's the university to go to in uh montreal fuck uh, mcgill mcgill is like when you want to go do the the ivy league path and like something boring like i don't know philosophy of accounting but concordia they have some cool stuff it's pretty like uh septum piercing green hair but that shit's not that bad like all the stuff that right-wing twitter is already mad about like they're like the world's going to turn into this every example they give is just like montreal five years ago and it's really? like montreal's fine yeah yeah we're cooking so what's uh, coming what's the 
what's the new fear that right well we're just of? all gonna yeah we're all gonna have pronouns and shoot estrogen and all that stuff and it's not that bad it's just uh it's okay it's nothing to get mad about i'm sure kent ohio is not as fun as montreal so i'm not that worried yeah but on the subject of goopies They've always had a very, I think it was one of the first things in place at Concordia was they had a very good ceramics program, probably because Quebec school, this will be boring, sorry for a sec, but Quebec school has always had, instead of grade 12, you have CGEP, which is like a mini community college that the kids in Quebec have to do. And one year, you can take anything. You can take philosophy of the mind. You can take legal. You can take accounting. Or you can take accounting. I mean, <laughs> no, you can take uh, ceramics. And so all the kids who smoked pot would take ceramics and they would like make a nice mug with a glaze on it. And sure enough, uh, Concordia, Concordia was also like um, one of the big Deleuze guys. Uh, what's his name? The guy who translated A Thousand Plateaus. He came out of Concordia. I believe it was Concordia, but he had a sp Brian Masume. Brian Masume had a spot. So it's always been like part of the whole zero books, hippy dippy, Deleuze Academia, Mark Fisher, Mark Fisher shit. Yeah. But so they had the uh, ceramics, but it was oh, and they also had an amazing textiles, and it, it all had like a feminist twist to it. And uh, for textiles, there's, like, Gunta Stoltz from Bauhaus. Shout out her. Shout out Gunta. But, like, so they always had a really good textiles program. They always had a really good ceramics program. They were both, like, very, like, feminist ideology. And um, it might make some folks at home mad to hear. I'm, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm like, hell yeah, that shit's cool. And um, <laughs> everyone was like, no, we want you to hate women forever. Shout not, out our diverse <laughs> And I'm not virtue signaling either. Ladies, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is we a can, great guy. We can cut this out. We can cut this out. Probably but, shouldn't. Um, yeah, whatever. DM him. I can supporting you. No, okay. It'll be uh, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. But uh, <laughs> that's just what you would want to do, isn't it? Just cut bleep them it. all out. Just bleep Pretend they don't uh, even exist. Bleeping it's worse. I'll probably just like remove the little section. So now it'll just sound like we're talking three minutes ago about about feminist ceramics. We're talking about feminist. Yeah, ceramics. that's what we were laughing about. Uh, yeah, and so and. Maybe I'll, I'll leave this up to the court. You guys can decide because I was happy with everything that happened. Um, they had an amazing feminist oriented ceramics program. 99% of the ceramics artists, 100% of the ceramics artists you heard about were women. And uh, my, we'll say acquaintance, we've been friends and whatnot, but uh, Trevor Baird was a skateboarder illustrator guy and he was in his master's. And he had done like illustration and litho lithograph stuff. And he was like, oh, I want a new twist. And he did ceramics and he got into molding. He made his own molds and he would make like Grecian urns, Sick. but he would cut up the vases and then he would silk screen onto them his little comics. And oh, this program had been generating things similar for years and years. But he, yeah, this is Trevor. 
I have one of his, or or I lost it somewhere. A similar looking one. Oh, those are and cool. he really popped off, and he got like Tumblr famous. He got everything famous. He's like he lives as an artist now. And I was like, this is great for Trevor, but it was also I was like, wait, but he's doing the same thing that the gals are doing. It's just because he's like a skater guy. Yeah. And I think it was part of how it was served. It was masculinity was like what delivered it. So I felt upset. I'm sure some people said I never heard people say it. And then like femme artists started doing similar styles to his. And so they were fine just like, but there was this no like outrage that was like, oh, we had this thing for 20 years and it took a, like a skater guy to make it pop off. And is it, is it cause he is the best goopy maker or is it because he's a guy and he's doing gal stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, do you... I don't know, man. I think in ceramics, it's such a weird, so like there's like people who, like ceramics that people outside of ceramics like, and then there's like ceramics that is only popular within like a small circuit ceramic community. And like most people who like teach and like are like known in the ceramics world, like there's, there's almost no overlap between like those two sets of people. So I think it's just like the people who are, the gals doing it were like in the in crowd probably but it's just like i mean yeah you're probably right there's some sexism there definitely there's like there there is like an old like whiskey drinker like uh old like wood fire type of guy who like does ceramics that's uh, who knows his ceramic <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like i don't know it's a weird it's a weird crowd his hand built, like 50 yeah shows. totally like there's a guy there's a lot of guys what i was what i like to think is you threw out those two names and i was like damn harris knows his shit and then it was seth rogan is like we can cut that out too if it's like no. Please keep it in. We're not trying to like. I didn't you. think you would go for a Seth Rogan, but <laughs> I thought in like literally my first thought was Seth Rogan. Have you put on a different? Is it just Seth Rogan still on the screen? On I'm still no, seeing no, this Trevor. Is Trevor okay, kids at home. This is Trevor Baird. Okay, mine hasn't updated. I'm Evolution still on Seth, Seth Rogan. Rogan. I'm in like a cycle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seth Rogan's done everything. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, whenever I do little TikToks, people will be like, oh, it's Seth Rogen looking weird, or oh, Seth Rogen's looking bad now. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's either Seth Rogen or John Mouse, depending how long my hair is. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go on. So you decided, as a, a talented artist, you're like, fuck ceramics. I'm going to 3D print. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Well, I mean, not, not exactly, but yes. Yeah, pretty much. I, I I don't know. I just got into other sculpture and shit. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I became essentially after grad school or after like the first year of grad school, I got like pretty disillusioned with like just the whole process of grad school and like not necessarily the feedback I was getting from peers, but just like kind of the instruction I was getting. I was just like, well, I just I think there's other ways of doing stuff. So I just started like looking for more art on my own and like finding my own 
kind of communities within it. I joined like Do Not Research, which is that like community that Josh mm-hmm. Sorrell started. Um, yeah. And I'm still, Nate, you guys have had on the pod, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vitruvian Grimace. Yes. Yeah. Good friend of mine from that. And then Tommy Fizan, who's also a wonderful artist. She's like a good friend of mine from when I lived in Baltimore a while ago. Yeah. Shout out to her film on uh, January 6th. Yes. Great show that was just up in New York. Um, so she's like one of my best friends. And eventually, nice. after me, like, resisting joining it for like almost a year probably i finally joined it after i was just like kind of done with the grad school critique only uh setting and it just like was amazing and opened me up to a lot of different art and then within it was like i mean it it's died down a lot not the community but just like the like online presence through like a discord channel um has like died down a good amount which I think is fine. Like most of us have like normal lives and like want to do shit IRL. Um, but like at the point when I joined, it was like extremely popping. And so it was just yeah, like the pandemic, that pandemic boost kind of thing. Yeah, totally. We all benefited from. Yeah. Yeah. The pandemic just moved everybody online, which was kind of cool. It was sick. You should, uh, <laughs> you should suggest to Tommy that she come on the Betaverse and talk about that film, by the way. Have you guys reached out to her? You should talk to her. I follow her, but I, I generally just message people who are following me. She doesn't have to, though. But I, it's just like cold, call, <laughs> cold calls are harder than being like, oh, hey, Lormax Goblin Pill. Yeah. I saw your rabbit meat sculpture. Yeah. Do you want to come on? Yeah. Yeah. No pressure, though. No pressure. Yeah, I'll let her know. Um, but it was... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just got into that shit and then just started making... Honestly, like... Just, like, stuff about things that people were posting about. And then just, like... That kind of had a runaway effect of, like, getting more into these sort of, like, weirder subcultural things. Um, I always, like, loved, like, the aesthetics of, like, Warhammer and... Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never played Warhammer. I don't. I've never played. I honestly, I think the last video game I like played seriously, and I was never good at it. Was like Super Mario sixty four when I like was Hell yeah. six. Like I've just never <laughs> yeah, been a gamer. Yeah, yeah. Never done any of that stuff. But I, I love the aesthetics of it, and I like a lot that there's like sort of these vectors for like collective generation of narratives. And so mm-hmm. some of the stuff that was happening kind of in like extreme politics areas online and some of the stuff that was happening in these like various fandoms, Hitsune Miku is like a perfect like subject for me because it's something that like the community essentially invents and like keeps alive. Um, oh, totally. So is which what's Hits, Hitsune Miku's art again it's, is it's a, it's like a skinny blue anime girl, but the. It's just like the character and the music is, it's like a artist, like a musical artist, but the music is made by like whoever the fuck using the same kind of like generated voice. Oh, like a VTuber kind of thing. It's just a Vocaloid synthesizer. So right, it's like, right. Vocaloid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So yeah. it's just like, it was released and then this was like on the cover of like the CD-ROM that you would install it with. And then mm-hmm. from there, like all of this additional content has been created and like I, I don't know she's like perform she's performed like in quotations 
She performed in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, as like ago. a hologram, and it's like <laughs> I really wanted to go, but the tickets were like a hundred bucks. I was like, I'm not paying a hundred dollars. A hundred bucks, and she's selling out fucking, fucking stadiums. I mean, like it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so unreal. So like that was like something that was super ripe for like this seems like an interesting new vector for like generation of collective ideas or something. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it, it's crazy that you you just mentioned war because I was literally my next question was going to be like it's with the Warhammer stuff because I saw you have like Space Marines in your like Citadel I call it I know I don't remember if it was called a Citadel on there but you have a little Space Marines and things and I was like oh Warhammer I know that it's the same sort of th- like I know it's like an iconography of the extreme online and they're like the fan base, the fandom are very unpleasant people. <laughs> I know because I have a friend who's a science fiction writer and he told me the same thing that he got a job with Amazon writing um, Warhammer narratives that they would then make into movies. And he was like, what if a space Marine was transgender? And they like, they got very upset or the, the, yeah. they didn't get upset. The Warhammer company got concerned and yeah. they were like, we need to show you hundreds of pages of what you can do and what you can't do because our fan base are very, uh, and, uh, what they were dancing around is the Warhammer fan base are like the worst people online. I think it's, I think it's really polarized. Like, so I've been to some game shops just to like talk to some people in Boston Mm -hmm. and other places. And it's exaggerated. Well, so like sometimes you're right. Like they're just total, like weird incel meets. Um, but the other times, like, imagine if you could create a Warhammer-sized handbook for sex and gender. Like, yeah, yeah. Those, like, those people would absolutely love it. You know what I mean? So, like, there's yeah. people who are super into identity politics who are, like, within this sort of, like, alienated subculture. It's just, like, an addition to, like, this other online subculture, mostly online subculture that they're into. yeah. Um, but there, I mean, you're totally right. Like there's just like weird incels in their basement, like painting minis, um, which is fine. Shout out, shout out to those incels. It, yeah, it, totally. it, it was just funny because what, when I came to internet culture, I knew Warhammer from like childhood nostalgia because I had cousins who painted it and they were just like very pleasant, nerdy boys. And one of them, he didn't leave his mom's basement until he was 30 but when he did uh he did a master's in political science then he started working for CSIS which is the Canadian Secret Service Agency crazy and they sent that's how it goes man that's how all these secret service agency goes so yeah and for me it was like I associated Warhammer with these like wholesome Calgary nerds who I would go and visit and they had G.I. Joe's and they had Warhammer and I was like oh that's cool and then I go on the internet and I follow these pages that are all Warhammer themed and then they're, they're saying like terrible things and I'm like oh no this isn't good this isn't good for anybody yeah. but it was like it's that duality and then it's that shock value too so was it more was referencing that what drew you was like and you don't have to be like yeah it was the message or whatnot no but it was like is that what drew you to putting warhammer stuff into your art i mean so i guess in my work one of the things that i try and stress is like i don't have any sort of moral evaluation of the cultures that i am they're like the subcultures that i'm making work about like i think 
often it's like extremely easy to make a moral evaluation. And I think it's often very boring. Like if we look at some artists like morally good and some artists morally bad, it's just like, I don't, I I can, it's a different type of judgment. So I think the thing that I liked about Warhammer is like, it play like sometimes it plays with it a little bit. The grim ideas of reality kind of touch on people's like moral impulses. And so the challenge is a little bit harder which is more like satisfying as an artist to like succeed in it of like getting people to see these things as like community generated vectors for spirit. So like what interested me the most in Warhammer was like it's fandom like wiki is like biblical. Like the amount of stuff that's oh, yeah, documented yeah. like documented is absolutely unreal. The craft that goes into like the actual production of these like small almost like reliquary like scenes that and like environments that the game is played with the figures themselves that are painted like to like i mean technically it's extremely impressive and then the final thing is that like the metaphysics of the space and the community input or like push and pull with games workshop which like manufactures warhammer is like kind of part of the game so like yeah. Like people will generate their own minis and post them on Patreon or on Thingiverse or whatever. And then people will play the game with these minis that are like these sort of like combinations of things that are officially understood uh, within like the Warhammer official lore. And then sometimes these sort of like metaphysical interpretations of the reality that Warhammer's in or like the lore gets reincorporated into like the official lore of what Warhammer yeah. is. So that's what was I've really talked, attractive. Yeah, sorry. I've talked with uh, animators about this who work in like the animation industry and the VFX industry, and Warhammer, um, they do take from the uh, what do you call it, the like the deviant art um, concept, like homemade fan tributes. Warhammer's cinematics completely pivoted based on one fan-made movie. I think it was from Poland, and I think it was one guy. And uh, my friend who was a writer for Amazon got sent. It was literally like a fan tribute, but they he made a two-hour Warhammer movie. Yeah. And then Warhammer was like, oh, this is better than our stuff. We're just going to appropriate. And like that is – like if you are a Warhammer – fanboy and fetishist like they they really like milk you in the sense of that they'll take your idea or pay you they'll hire you and pay you very little but you'll do it because you're working for warhammer which is like i work in tech as well it's the same with like ubisoft like people will work for ubisoft even though that shit sucks like assassin's creed sucks like I would. I like Morrowind. I, I'm not a huge gamer, but I really like lore. Yeah. But Assass- Assassin's Creed is bullshit. Um, <laughs> anyhow, I'm getting off track. But it is like fascinating. But it is like they are so passionate, and it is Bibles. Like I have one of the little like dude. It's like a hardcover book full of their dudes, and I got it at a uh, thrift store, and it's like it is like you have the Warhammer Bible and we have some friends who are like very passionate about it. And I do respect that. And it is like, most of them are not even, um, that ideological outside of Warhammer. Cause they don't have time. They have to like paint those guys. Yeah. It's and, like, it osmosis is into you as like a, 
collective formation of identity. It's not something that like you have to think of consciously anymore, which is like, that's like the ideal state, right? Is that you feel like mm-hmm. so connected to some, like, ex- like some formation in the world yeah. that you have like a free flowing exchange of identity where it flows into you and you flow into it in a way that like affects yeah. the world beyond so yeah. cool. <laughs> Warhammer is a conduit. Totally. What I love too is it's a great parallel to do not research because do not research is to Josh Ciatrella as I don't know if I pronounced his name wrong. It's all right. But it's similar to Brad and Insul well, I don't know if I should relate brad but shout out to brad i'm a brad fan i like brad yeah. and uh he's shout out to he's supported me in my past but um what i like about that is with do not research i was like i don't know because i'm not the biggest josh josh has done some things that bug me um which i don't need to get into i can have that on i'm happy to talk to him anytime but it's like where he's like, I'm going to show you who the bad guys on the, on the internet are. And that's where I like Brad's approach where he's like, no good art can be ideological. And then so with Do Not Research, I wanted to dislike Do Not Research because I'm like, oh, it's this guy. But I kept meeting people in DNR who were doing really, really cool things. Yeah. And then I was like. Then I was like, oh, maybe he's just like a foil. Maybe he's okay. And I don't want to like present that on him. All I want to say is like, there are a lot of people in Do Not Research, um, yourself, Nate, uh, Ruben, a lot of people I met um, who do really, really awesome stuff. So I'm very, very happy that happened kind of thing. Yeah. And it's similar to that's some people's Warhammer when it comes down to it. Totally. I mean, it was totally a way in which I was able to like collectively develop my own identity as like a artist or like political formation or whatever that I see myself as a part of. I think the thing with Josh's work is like Josh is constantly getting new people exposed to it. So like I've talked to people who are like, yeah, it feels like a little old at this point, but, or like it feels reductive, but it's like, he's just kind of a funnel entry into it. But yeah, once you get in, then there's all of this other depth that you can explore with other people, which is great. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I'm very happy that it happened too. I mean, there was like the proto, I guess it was like not politics face facing as much, but like, uh, like new models did like, I was Mm -hmm. listening to new models like a long time before I joined like their discord or whatever. And like, never felt comfortable like engaging in that community not for any reason related to the community it was just like so overwhelming to me at the time and then dnr is just like people are younger and chiller and um like it was it was okay to be a little bit more weird and funny um everybody in new models was like super on it analytically which is like amazing it's just like not i'm not as good at that like behind the keyboard like in an instant so yeah, and uh, we we can slice it out. Like, I'm not trying to, like, talk about other no, people. No, 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 it's totally fine. Yeah. Because what was explained to me when I – actually, when I was at your uh, your gallery show at, it, at Blade Study, um, I talked a bit and learned about – like, apparently the Discord was abandoned. And um, 
allegedly or whatnot. But that's when stuff like, or the account was abandoned and then people just started using it like a regular anonymous account, like intellectuals or any of the other uh, Coincel or 7G thought surveillance. Yeah. And um, that's when like, that's when I was like, oh yeah, I won't unfollow this. They're pretty funny. And yeah. it was like, I think it was most of y'all just like cooking wacky shit up. Yeah, there's a secret group chat where all of us. There always is. Yeah, just pop off all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a secret group chat behind that secret group chat. Yes. And exactly. they make fun of They make, they fun, make fun of me. Of you yeah. inside they it. make fun of the new ones <laughs> yeah, in the secret yeah, yeah. group chat. <laughs> it's yeah. just a hall of mirrors. And that's, yeah, we continue to promote the abandoned mall theory and Instagram. Like no one cares about Instagram anymore. It's TikTok now, but it's, it's very fun to inhabit in this time. Totally. I mean, and I think honestly, it's like, it's past the point of like being able to commercialize yourself <coughs> through it, which I kind of mm -hmm. like, like right now, like most of the people who I like interact with on Instagram are like people who are just like, fans like not anybody who's ever gonna buy my work like not anybody like people who found me on like a weird tumblr post by like somebody who is named like communist hitsune miku or something oh yeah um, <laughs> and like yeah that's well, it's kind of nice yeah i mean you i love your sculptures you're someone i really want to boost and uh thanks man that was something like seeing uh the sword like the skull sword i was like oh yes yes i like all this <laughs> and then uh but then when i came and i saw like forgive me if i get this wrong it was explained to me this way but it's like rabbit meat and sinew around a flash drive no so that's like, so i used rabbit skin glue in some oh. in that as like a primer so a lot of what i was trying to play with was like I didn't really use that much rabbit skin glue. I used like a little bit, but I was trying to create like these like traditional craft materials out of like contemporary supplement stuff or like contemporary, like things from like FX industry things for like cosplay. So that like the relic of the corrupted blood, that piece that's like wrapped in um, like, it looks like skin or like flesh. Um, it's all like prosthetic latex, but underneath it, it's this like, um, like early Renaissance water gilding media that I had made from like cosmetic clays that you would use as like a face mask and then like bone broth supplements. Um, oh, wow. So, but like the properties of it are very much like what you would use like in traditional like water gilding media, which is just like a essentially a refined mm -hmm. clay slip with, um, with rabbit skin glue in it. Okay. Cause I was looking at it and someone who definitely wasn't Nate, uh, grabbed me and he's like, you know what that is? That's all rabbit meat. He cut up a rabbit and strung it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, word, I gotta talk to this guy. <laughs> I, I had an idea for a sculpture, like, a year and a half ago that I would still like to make at some point, but like I wanted to make a bow. I made the bow. I just was not very good at using it, but I wanted to like hunt 
a rabbit oh, hell yeah. in Kent, Ohio, like near my like garbage bins or whatever. Zuckerberg style, yeah. Yeah, but I wanted to make a bow all out of like PVC and like uh, like marking stakes from Home Depot, and then like refine <laughs> the rabbit into rabbit skin glue to uh, make like this finish. Um, but the plastics that are now in the water, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Do you guys remember that when there were all the like Washington <laughs> Post articles about like Mark Zuckerberg only kills he only eats what he kills now he's hunting on his Hawaiian <laughs> compound. <laughs> don't, I don't fuck with that. I remembered it. <laughs> Maybe it's my uh, yeah. Uh, no, I don't I believe him. Turn tradition joke. No, I don't think he was doing that. I think it was I think... a conversation that got out of hand. Uh, and, you think and anyways, was... I don't know. Why not just fucking tell people that? You know what I mean? If you're some billionaire, he's just like sitting alone yeah, yeah. on your island being miserable. Why not just pretend and be like, yeah, I'm fucking going liver king well, that... mode. Yeah, that meme. All I remember like... was that he bought his land around a bunch of indigenous land in Hawaii and had them like trapped and was like, I'm not letting them in or out type shit. <laughs> and then there was like, a bunch of blowback and he was his PR team was like, oh, there is a miscommunication, blah, blah, blah. You don't want to fight Hawaiians. Those guys, they're, no, they're certified serious. warlords. They fought for those because those are the best islands for the last thousands of years. Like, don't mess with them, Mark. Like. You keep it windy, but did he win or did the Hawaiians win in the end? Uh, I don't think they won, and I think yet. he was trying to buy out their land. Um, Didn't win, but yet. they were they were refusing to sell it. They're like this is our ancestral land, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. fuck face, like blah blah blah. Um, so I think it's still like he had to make concessions where they can get in and out of their land. Uh, it's still lame that billion. I mean, that's what Hawaii is. It's like a little bit of its owned by indigenous Hawaiians, and then the rest is owned by millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe because there's that meme, and Mark Zuckerberg owns Facebook and Instagram. I think it was a Facebook meme, and it was like, "All that shit you heard about me, believe it." Leave me the fuck alone. Maybe that was Mark on his burner. I thought it was just the, the big ass wakeboarding meme. He's just trying to boost it. He's Is just trying to convince was? people that yeah. he was a bigger and bigger ass. Yeah. His photo of him <laughs> with the with the BBL, the BBL that. on the the spaceboard. That's yeah. the coolest picture with the sunscreen all over his face like that. Yeah. That picture is so he should be the greatest uh, conceptual artist that's something i can't wrap my head around is being like incredibly rich (laughs) (laughs) what is he even fucking doing man like i was that's terrifying Oh, it's Imagine so being good. that yeah, fucking yeah, photographer, you know, you're zooming I in think, on him. I think it was intellectuals kept posting that That's picture. A, is that a hoodie? Like months with his ass getting bigger. Yeah, he's out here in a fucking like a sweater <laughs> and shorts with some kind of gadget in his hand. I guess like controlling his hoverboard. Well, no, it's it's attached to the uh, motorboat, isn't it? Isn't he like? Oh, he's, the boat? oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. I figured <laughs> you know, he was always on some paparazzi. sort of like motorized fucking like jet ski type surf. Board. You thought it was like, like a hoverboard. Paparazzi snagged yeah. that picture, like looked down at his camera, and was like, "Oh, fuck. oh my god, I got I'm it." Yeah, jeez, I hope he did get paid. That's a fucking <laughs> historical shot. 
I can't remember if it's him or John Carmack who said, when I met my wife, I knew she was the one because she said an Ayn Rand quote. Wow. <laughs> it might have been both of them. <laughs> that shit's hard. That's some Rick Ross level shit. Yeah. We were talking, uh, yeah, talking about yeah. the fountainhead. <laughs> yeah. That's some shoebox, no shoes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, um, so you did do a uh, gallery show at Blade Study, but now you have one coming up in April. Yes. So it's a new spot called Sarah's. Um, it's like also in Manhattan. Uh, it's going to be called Inorganic Demons. Um, it's going to open on April 14th. It's going to be huge, both oh, yeah. conceptually. The art is going to be huge. I'm making like three 10-foot swords for it. Like it's gonna be like that's what I want. Yeah, it's gonna be big. Um, and like mates are sword. Yeah, major swords. Um, Big sword fan. Can you use one? You can use it conceptually. You use it. Yeah. I mean, so I made one for us. Show us some uh, pirouettes. Oh, we got the sword out. Show us some footwork. No, that's good. I hit some books with it. They were, uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying, Harris, you have 10 foot swords. Yeah, so I, it's, uh, the whole show is like 13 pieces, and most of it's new work. Um, a lot of it's like stuff that I've like wanted to make for a long time, and then just like finally had the space to show it in. Blade Study, the gallery people, uh, the people who run the gallery, Brooke and Ian, are like really good friends of mine. Um, and, um, it was like awesome to get to show with them. Like that space is absolutely amazing. This space is like just as amazing. It's just like really big as well. So I still got some stuff I got to finish, but, um, it's coming along well. Um, I'm really excited for it. It should be fun. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. It's about all the same stuff, but also the Iraq war and conscious oil. So um, uh, like the Gulf War, yeah, the the like the second war, the Bush the Bush uh, Junior War, um, and I mean not directly, but a lot of it's like, every ever read Cyclonopedia? Any of you guys? I have not. That sounds. Really I know familiar, it. Though. If you could explain it a bit, yeah. So it's Reza Negrostani is the author. Um, the show title is taken from one of the sections of the book, but it's about like essentially how the Middle East becomes a conscious entity through oil um, and through like the propagation of petroleum as like a lube of capitalism um, throughout the West. And it's essentially like within the oil that lubes the capitalism, it like leads to this sort of like downfall of ideology through like a sharpening of power structures that eventually causes them to like collapse entirely. So a lot of the stuff that I was into with the like Warhammer and like ground up generation of lore and like reintegration, I think some of that applies to like the more accelerationist ideas about like commerce or whatever. Um, yeah. <clears throat> was was DNR like heavily? Uh, were they like really into accelerationism? I could never tell. I w- I didn't ever go too deep into it 
Um, I think some of us are, but I knew they. Were. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I mean, like, I like more like the like. I don't know. I mean, it depends what you call accelerationism. Like, it's you. I mean, it goes from like Nick Land to like uh, like Nick Cernak, which is like Nick Cernak is like a like consultant for like the Labor Party now. Like, it's like there's like it's really it's kind of all over the place. Whatever that definition means. I think people just like in DNR wanted just like healthcare and like housing, oh, <laughs> you know, like didn't want to be precarious <laughs> and whatever was. It wasn't until COVID that I even, I had ever even heard of accelerationism. And we all were just like, all of my friends that I met were like, oh yeah, it'd be really nice to have like healthcare and like better pay for our like service jobs and shit. And also I'm an acceleration. Yeah. I was like, what is that? And I was like, oh fuck. That's like something completely new. Yeah. Um, it feels really well, new. Then, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and then, well, Canada's had socialized healthcare as, as Britain has, and it's great. It's amazing. And yeah. It can get better and better. Now Canada has this whole, um, it's easy to like make it a flag, uh, like make fun of it, but it is kind of crazy to me. Like our whole, we've unle we've unleashed like um, assisted suicide, but yeah. because healthcare is socialized, it's become like a, a problem solver where the government is actively suggesting it to people without them suggesting it. Whoa. So it's like military veterans or. Um, close to unhoused people being like yeah people that are poor and debt they're like and have uh, mental issues and they're like have you considered suicide there are literal letters about it which Holy is a little shit. wild but it is like no america should have socialized health care you guys really really should and um yeah yeah my grandparents my grandparents used to warn me about um, socialized healthcare and point to Canada and talk about Look how bad Canada brain cancer. Canada's like, pretty if you have brain okay. cancer in Canada, it takes you four years to get to the doctor. I was like, I don't think that's but, true. Well, but yeah, then, no, the, no. then the suicide shit came out and I was like, oh, now y'all have something. And like, even if it takes um, you four yeah. years to get to a doctor, <laughs> you do get to see a doctor at the end of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and you don't, you don't owe like 60,000. Like, yeah. It's in mm -hmm. sixty thousand has about sixty thousand. It would be like millions yeah, yeah. in the US if you had something like brain cancer. Yeah, totally. It's like sixty thousand is like you get hit by a car and it's sixty thousand. <laughs> yeah. Like and only break like Yeah, you have something. like you have cancer, it's like it's yeah, it's close to a million dollars probably. Yeah. Like it's it's nuts. Um but I think honestly that's the political motivation for a lot of that stuff was just like we want stability, like reality seems to be getting worse the environment's collapsing what can we do about it that seems like refreshing and new yeah and um who i think a lot of people i don't know i've i went to a bar the other night and cambridge is like very um everybody's like a very nice liberal like whatever and i think i was talking to somebody who is who's extremely nice who works at the like internet the center for internet as part of the law school for harvard She's talking about like, yeah, I research online extremism. And I think out of just like, maybe it's like self-loathing. I was just like, yeah, that's, I'm so glad there's like extremism on the internet. Like, I think it's well, a really good thing. For me, this is the bait and switch, which 
I've said names that I feel like they feed into this, but it's America just plays little sports games when it comes down to it because it's like, it's like, oh, if you like Hitsune or whatever the hell you said or yeah. Warhammer, um, then you're a right winger and you want privatized everything. Uh, which these are Canadian terms. I'm sorry for the Americans listening because no. we like right wingers here are like, we need to privatize healthcare. It's like if anyone told me, like, yeah, no, homeless people don't deserve money, like I'd be like, no, you fucking idiot. Like, everyone deserves extreme, healthcare. They there's do. an extreme lack of nuance, uh, I would say, like, in the general population when it comes to, like, clocking people's political beliefs. Totally. Um, and leanings if they're like into certain things, mm -hmm. um, which I really, really enjoyed in my time during COVID and being in this, like the DNR adjacent sphere of like, just that like whole little online world really like made me feel normal all of a sudden that I'm like, Oh, I can like still do these things and have my political beliefs and everything is not as black and white as literally fucking everybody's telling you it is. Um, totally. I mean, extremism, yeah. what it does in a, I mean, obviously there's a lot of it that's like bad ideas that I don't agree with, but like what it does at a conceptual level is it opens up like the, the window over, what is it called? Overton window or whatever, or it just allows yeah, for Overton new window. Yeah. It allows for new formations. Shoe. Like what we were talking but about, this is, Warhammer. like it allows yeah, for new identities it, to form. It benefits both sides though, to say that like aesthetically, someone wants like everyone is in the exact same situation even the people that are doing very very well like the people that are self-sustaining like even if you're in america and you have like let's say you make i don't know like six figures or something like that you're still like screwed like you you need to pay like 500 a month health insurance or whatever it is or 800 bucks how it no one's in a situation where they should say like yeah the government shouldn't give us health care because they're like the when you look at the war budget and uh yeah maybe i'm an idiot when i'm looking at american empire but so is everybody it's nothing that yeah uh gordo i see you looking to the side too so you can uh, jump in but it is like i don't think any of these extremists posting like pep quote-unquote extremists posting peppy frogs or whatever like if if they are against those kind of things, it's against their best interests. It's just like yeah, like the Democrats are not left wing. They're just they're just as hard right when it comes to like services. The thing totally. about extremists online, I think it's important to have them visible. You know where you can see where they are, so you can kind of see what people actually are thinking. You know what I mean? Like what if yeah. you just couldn't couldn't see? what all these fucked up people were saying. You'd have no kind of really idea of what was going on. I also, like, just really enjoy, like, uh, under... Maybe, maybe like, I'm being conceited when I say this, but I feel like a lot of people just, like, don't take the time to, like, actually try to understand, like, the culture that kind of feeds people into extremism. And I think that's, like, a really important part of it because I don't really, like... I'm not of the belief that... I mean, okay, yeah, there's going to be some, like, freaky and so, like, born-at-birth assholes in the world, but most people don't end up that way. Mm -hmm. um, and also, and 
on the other end, like a lot of people interested in like certain like adjacent things aren't like that either. So I think the nuance is really important. And then just understanding the people that are extremists, like how they got there and like social and like, um, what's it called? Like the infrastructure that like pushes them into those positions. Totally. Yeah. The social conditions. I'm really interested yeah. in that. And, and you yeah. know, what you consume doesn't really have anything to do with politics or power or anything like that at all. You know, that's just what you're watching on the TV. Well, I think, I think part of it is like right now, like what Nathan said, like, you're right. Like we're in a moment where everybody's fucked by the current system. And there are people who go outside of it where they're materially fucked, but like everybody's spiritually fucked by the moment that we're in. Like everybody's atomized. You go to like the weddings of billionaires and they're still having these sort of like loveless ceremonies where you can't like, there's still no connection in it. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's, they are just, they're also alienated in a way that like, can't be like, uh, I don't know. Like it sucks. I, I don't envy that at all. Um, I think the thing is, is like, at least as an artist, what I am hoping with like the consumption stuff or like what you're saying, Matt, with like watching it on TV is like, I think the aesthetics can sometimes <coughs> bring about like pre-linguistic thoughts or pre-ideological thoughts that can coalesce into greater structures that eventually become ideology and eventually become like the political or real environment. Um, and that's the thing that accelerationism is good at is it just says yeah just keep pushing the gas pedal to like push it further right, and contradictions then yeah <laughs> eventually those contradictions will end up working themselves out into new political structures and then eventually those contradictions will, there will be contradictions that form within that eventually we get to some state that winds up working better like i don't i don't hmm. know though well, yeah, and that was, like, I read Nick Land. Uh, I found him in the similar time or, like, right before the pandemic with accelerationism, and I wasn't aware of him prior to Mark Fisher. And truth be told, I found out about Mark F Fisher through uh, the, the Red Scare podcast. Yeah. And it was because they were <laughs> saying the R word on it, and then I was like, oh, I've never heard of this guy. And it was like... Um, but I'd read Deleuze and Guattari and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I see what he's saying. But I found him, I identified with like academic frauds critique of Mark Fisher, who was in those, those circles when he did it, where it was a little bit miserable. And then he was like, why is everyone mad at me? And then, but I found him and Nick Land fascinating because in like continental philosophy, um, you never heard from Britain ever. And uh, then you had these two guys who were kind of like there was the good guy and the bad guy. You had Mark Fisher and you had Nick Land. Yeah. And I loved it because it was like an anime show. And like Nick Land was obsessed with doing <laughs> amphetamines. And Mark Fisher was obsessed with writing about Drake and what Drake did. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, <laughs> and then they both got they both ended their careers Mark, Mark Fisher ended his career by suicide and Nick Land ended his career by career suicide which was he got he invented literally he literally invented hyper racism you can look it up. he wrote a book about hyper racism he's like everyone has to become hyper racist like 
I'm gonna accelerate. I don't. I think it's okay. In defense, I'm not a big Nick Land guy, but in defense, no, I'm not. Put, I'm not yeah, putting that. Yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In defense of hyper racism, <laughs> Nick <Whoa>. Land's idea. <laughs> I think yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's not. <laughs> No, don't listen. Yeah. We can edit Eris. Yeah. No, 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 it's fine. I think what he's saying is it's not prescriptive. It's descriptive of what the political condition yeah. will become. So he's not saying that, racism is a good idea. He's saying... But if you read his tweets, he's yes, like a wild yeah, boy. A little, yeah, after you spend enough time with stims, it, uh, it really fucks with you. So I think he, um, I think he's not saying... Well, maybe in his tweets he is, yeah. but I think in the book I'm not he's not shooting saying... Nick Kenny Bale. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's what I thought about. Like, I think he has the most accurate description of accelerationism, and it's not ideological. Yeah, um, it is. He's like, this is what's going to happen, whether you like it or not. Well, and he's yeah, yeah. He's a bit utopian and like, but he, I think he is ultimately right, um, except that there's some things he's not right with. But I think that like the kids at home like yeah how nick land defines accelerationism is like the best way and totally. it's pretty apolitical because it's his shit in the 90s and then he gets a bit more yeah it's like, like he lets yeah. the amphetamines fry his brain and then he's a bit more he's less trustworthy after yeah that. it's metapolitical and then i think there are different interpretations of it so you have like the mold bug interpretation of it that's more like and right the dugan and, like alexander yeah. dugan shouts him out all the time but alexander dugan also clearly doesn't understand what he's talking about he's just like yeah yeah nick land nick land yeah. but but then on the other <laughs> end you have people who invented Falk, who are now again consultants for like the Labour Party in Britain. So like, like Once Nick's Falk? sorry, fully automated luxury communism. So it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. So the meme comes from this. Oh book. yeah, but I love, yeah, I love that guy. Uh, what's his Nick Srinek? Nick Srinek. Yeah. Platform Capitalism by Nick Srinek is a very good book. For Amazing book. And then read about tech. Also, inventing the future is like I think honestly like the best that. After Geoengineering by Holly Jean Buck and then um, like Lee Phillips, uh, People's Republic of Walmart are like the three guides for like how you could develop a left accelerationist future that would be like extremely meaningful and like would actually be like it would just totally work. Um, so I think you all think, three, yeah, yeah. all three of those things kind of come from that sort of tradition. I'm always a Marxist skeptic, but that's like my my edgelord instincts yeah i mean <laughs> I, li I like max sterner more like I, yeah I do, and i love that before 4chan was like the right wing think tank they were like sterner files basically yeah. before paul got uh i won't i was never a big 4chan -er, but i, I wasn't I either say that lose my credit was sterner the dude who like wanted Who's the one who like had the milk factory? They were like, we're gonna run. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it just yeah, that was him. Yeah, they just and he <laughs> he hung out with Marx and Engels, and he was this miserable guy that they would complain about to each other. And they're like, fucking Sterner. He was a libertarian anarchist. And like, do you hear what Sterner said today? Because they all hung out together yeah. and would argue about Hegel. 
Yeah. And Sterner was like the cliche, like Reddit atheism guy. He was just <laughs> like, they literally, he's one of the first 4chan memes, his little glasses. He looks like Bart Simpson. Yeah. And uh, it was a picture Angles drew, and it looks like Bart Simpson. And they're just like, fuck, we, we hate the Because he was an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Man yes. Yeah, him. classic image. And he's this miserable guy. He hated his wife. He'd be like, I'm going to get a milk factory. I'm going to be rich. You well, then they freaked bruises. everybody out. They couldn't sell the yeah. milk because they just were these, like, high intellectuals <laughs> trying to sell normal people milk. And everybody yeah, yeah. was just like, this is not right. Like, something is extremely and sus the, here. The only reason any of us know who he is is because he pissed off Marx and Engels so much that they wrote essays about how much they hate this guy. The only reason I know who he is is because of that picture. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. still being memed like two yeah. days. Yeah. It's it's literally the it's one of the first 4chan like Paul memes. Like I think Paul got hijacked. I mean, it, sooner or later it would have gone right wing probably, but I think like Steve Bannon or someone else like that helped. Yeah. But they really liked Sterner because he's just a contrarian asshole, basically, yeah. which <laughs> I strive to be in my life. <laughs> so uh, I read Sterner and I was like, oh, hell yeah. And he like invented all these terms and stuff. But Sick. that like Nick Land is like I am very fat. Like Nick Land's done a better job than anyone of becoming. He's not only Sterner, but he's like Nietzsche in the sense that he's everyone knows who he is whether or not they care about who he is yeah and it's funny because he's just like a twitter he's like a twitter meth chunky living in china buying cryptocurrency now, yeah so. which is such a crazy path to have taken but <laughs> but history history will remember nick land like i swear like 200 years from now he'll have that like when reputation. neo china comes to us from the future everybody <laughs> yeah. is just gonna lose their minds for nick land yeah <laughs> so. All right, guys, I think I, I got to go soon. I, I got to eat dinner still and go to bed. That's okay, yeah. But is this okay? You guys have enough? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Thank you. Got, uh, it's great. Yeah. I'll edit out, uh, you know, that time I snapped and said you should, No, you should keep the part when you were <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, that was good. That was funny. The only the That's only thing is decision. I'm in I'm in the middle of uh, trying to get a contract for another year at my job. This is another no. thing about America is that yeah. it's a I, I have a union which is great, but I uh, I don't have I have year to year contracts for right now. So if you take or at least just bleep it, that would be great for what about that one to, there. That's yes yeah, we'll yes do that. please take we're not, we're not <laughs> playing with you we're not playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> if we'll bleep, if we bleep it though, it'll sound like I'm. Just, <laughs> so just bleep, just yeah. Yeah. Make By it the way, sound Harris, as suspicious as possible. Yeah. yeah. Make it sound By like the way, Harris, I edit, I edit it, so don't worry. I'll take care of it. And um, but let's 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 do a clean. Let's promote your coming up show again one more time yeah um inorganic demons opens april 14th come through for the opening nate vitruvian grimace is going to be reading deanna draganetti is going to be performing like an aria from an opera that she prepared it's going to be amazing we have a couple other readers um that are going to be awesome and it's going to be really fun you should come through 
probably free wine. Hell yeah. So, yeah. I'll come again. Yeah, yeah. I'll try and make it down. Um, I hope you don't think less of me. Thanks for coming on the show. No, thanks for, <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. It was this fun. Was it was great to meet you guys. Yeah. 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 It was a good great. deep cut. Uh, when you do leave, leave the window open and it'll finish uploading your pe- your piece okay sick of the audio and then we'll be good all right dope. but it was really nice so to meet you guys for real yeah, yeah. nice to meet yeah, you too. too i followed you for a while and i it's nice to actually like hear your work about your work in depth thanks uh, man i've always just been i've never like looked past like the instagram captions and i've yeah. always been like wow this is cool stuff but thanks um, man yeah yeah Have send a me a dm here. i don't mm-hmm. i i honestly i don't like I've tried to stop looking at who follows me because, again, some deranged person posted. So I had my phone number on my website for a long time. And just because, like, his phone number on his website, I figured, why do I, why can't I do that too? Mm-hmm. Um, and every once in a while, people would, like, text me nice stuff. And then somebody, like, texted me and then screenshotted it. And then it blew up on Twitter, like got like 200,000 views or something like that. Jeez, like text, And just had like a nice, shit. like casual conversation. And so I just had like a torrent of just like insane people following me for like the past <laughs> like few months. So I just like don't check who does that yeah, anymore. No, but send me a DM if you ever want to talk yeah, more about stuff. For... most freaks yeah. that used to follow my old account. Um, but yeah, I'll shoot you a DM. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. have a good dinner and rest yeah. of your evening. Yeah, yeah, of course. Rest easy. Do you guys and also we're not big on Twitter? So don't worry. Okay, perfect. Do you guys? Do <laughs> you guys also know the person who runs Coincell? Yeah, uh, I know Blake in the weirdest way. Haven't some of his old roommates were my ex's best friends. Oh, great! And then I met one of the other on tinder during covid so i'm connected to them in that way oh sick are they messing with you or no i love him great friend of mine i just figured you guys had mentioned him you guys should have him on he's like extremely funny he does like experiment a lot now yeah yeah um we're in talks we're in talks with perfect yeah he's a great dude i'm doing right now too actually so oh sick that's great yeah Oh, yeah. oh, that was all I wanted to say is reach out if you awesome. Yeah, I've heard that from everybody. Um, it's a shame I didn't meet was still in But yeah, it was during COVID lockdown. And I wasn't leaving Dallas. Yeah, I mean, he'll be back. I'm sure. But yeah. Yeah. All right. And if you know, uh, tell him to unblock me. <laughs> well, no, levels ridiculous. So Nate's roommate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Means. I'm like, what is but, it's uh, but it's like I don't care that it's much. a it's a constellation of weird like it's like five people. He's who a are, good man. Yeah, it's not. Great. Billy, do you know Billy? Have you met Maybe Billy? it's was is involved. It's probably their fault. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's okay. Blocked me after the whole blocked all of thing. Us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they oh, that's what I us. figured it was. Yeah, yeah. After the what? But anyways, after the oh, we I had uh, had, uh this. I, yeah, yeah. We started the podcast. Yeah. yeah, I listened to that one. I, I, they I, had, got a, a, uh, I had a one-time hookup message me something from a blocked account. I was like, I, what is it? And it was a 
I was calling me out by my first name. Jesus, I was like, Jesus Christ. Christ, man. I've been blocked for like six months. And y'all He's a good man, though. He's me. a good man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I block people for all kinds of stupid reasons. It's you just wake up the next, but yeah, I guess he's still in his feelings. I'm in a group chat with him now, but we won't we won't exacerbate that. But right. we're good folks. We're good folks with Betaverse. I right? believe it. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you guys soon. Yeah. Good night. Hopefully. Thank yeah. you. Right. See you Bye. God bless. All right. That was a good one. I actually really yeah. Ooh, I actually really enjoyed that podcast. We should make it um, in defense of hyper racism just for the clicks. <laughs> yeah. Betaverse. Betaverse. Betaverse.